Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I want to start tonight by sharing briefly about um, this amazing man called Mark Brooks. He was a leader at the school I spent, a ministry school I spent three years at in America. And he, uh, growing up, uh, didn't know God, and um, he was defined by two things, aggression and alcohol. And he had an amazing Christian mother, though, who prayed for him and really believed that he had a purpose far greater than what he was walking and what he was living. And it wasn't until he got to about age 30 where he started to realise the reality of his life and that he actually had a purpose in God and that he put his faith in Jesus and became a Christian. And, and he dealt with the alcohol stuff straight away. The aggression uh, took a little more time to deal with. Um, at one point he was preaching and um, someone basically argued with him about a point and he threw the pulpit at the person, which will be quite a sight to see. Um, but he also grew through that and um, he currently um, uh, oversees uh, first year of ministry at the school I was at. Um, but he also has, uh, if you're talking like communication skills, um, in terms of clarity of speech and choosing the right words, um, he would have one of the lowest ranking communication skills. Um, and it was just quite amazing to watch how God could use someone like that. And he, he would literally say, you've got to listen kind of with your heart, not with your head when I speak, because it didn't always make sense. Um, but yet he is responsible for over... Uh, a thousand students, about 1,400 students every year come to his year and he gets to lead them in that. And he leads a staff team of around 30 people um, and he sees amazing people come through the school and he's done that for 20 years. He's led people for 20 years. Over 10,000 people have gone through his year at school. And, and, and with all those challenges that he's, he faced and still faces, he's able to do that. And while I was over there um, during a question and answer time, I asked him, um, the school I was at had a real value for the supernatural, for miracles. And I asked him, what, you know, like you've done this for 20 years, what, what, what has been the main thing for you, other than obviously your relationship with God, that has allowed you to remain hungry for the supernatural and hungry for God? What has allowed you to continue to be so passionate for Jesus after 20 years of leading this thing and seeing everything you've seen? And he said, gratitude. And it was one of those answers which was like, oh, that sucks, you know? Like I was hoping for something a bit more like tangible and a bit more, you know, sowing and reaping or something I could do now. Um, but gratitude was, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. But um, uh, <laughs> um, but if you want to lead anything that is godly and of significance, then you're going to need to understand this principle of gratitude. And it was something he understood and it took me time to really understand that value too. And uh, as we head into this Christmas season, uh, it can often be a time where people become so aware of what they don't have. It can often be a very ungrateful sort of a season. And many people can be so aware of the present they didn't get, uh, the family members they don't have, uh, the purpose or maybe the holiday they don't have booked over the Christmas period. And so tonight I want to speak into that. I want to speak into what it looks like to be grateful going into the season. And my wife Lydia was lining up at the supermarket on Friday 
and there was an older gentleman called John in the aisle beside her, and he said, hey, are you looking forward to the 26th, referring to Boxing Day? And Lydia, if anyone knows my wife, was like, no, I'm waiting for the 25th, Christmas Day. And he was like, oh, I, you know, I'm waiting for that to be over. Like, I can't wait for that to be over. And he began to share about how he had, uh, all his family was sort of scattered around, so that season of life for him, like he said, he's got some nice memories, but he doesn't look forward to it anymore. He looks forward to it being over. And so this is not everyone's experience, but everyone wrestles with that at some level, disappointment around this time. Uh, And for those who don't understand what that's like, um, Christmas can be like uh, two people, like Valentine's can be for a single person. And if you've been married for a very long time, this might be a newsflash for you. Uh, but Valentine's Day for singles people is known as Singles Awareness Day. It is the one day every year where you are reminded that you are still single. And uh, I was single for most of my years as a young adult, and I never heard that term, but every year it would roll around and it was like, oh yeah, I've been single the whole year, and again. And, uh, and then a friend said to me, it's Singles Awareness Day. I'm like, that's exactly what it is. And so Christmas can be the same thing for, for people who, who don't feel like they have enough family or don't have enough purpose. Or if you're a parent in this place, you don't have enough money. Or I guess if you're young adult youth, you're probably thinking the same thing. But, but it can be like lack awareness time. Christmas can be a time where we become so aware of what we don't have. And so I really want to speak into gratitude this evening because I believe it's going to open some things up for people as we go into this Christmas season. I would like to propose that even if you are single on Valentine's Day, and even if you don't have much or any family going into Christmas, that it doesn't have to suck. That in life there will always be opportunities to be pessimistic. And there will always be a room available for you on Struggle Street. But that... But that's just because life has some tough real. But just because life has some tough realities in it, doesn't mean we have to be defined by it. Doesn't mean if, even if you're like John and, and you've had all these great family experiences, now they're all scattered. It doesn't mean this Christmas period has to be defined by not having that. And while many people make it a full-time job just to be defined by the struggles and pessimistic perspectives they have, people like Mark Brooks, who despite the many personal challenges, has learned the supernatural and biblical principle of gratitude and how it allows him to live above his challenges and above his problems and not below them. And because of that, he has a hope that allows him to lead thousands of people every single year. And I want to invite you tonight to go on a journey to discover, like Mark, what it looks like for you to unlock the supernatural and biblical principle of gratitude. A gratitude that releases you from the oppression of your circumstances and takes you from being under your struggles and challenges and lack this Christmas season to winning in life and standing on top of those challenges, freeing you not only for your sake, but in order to bless and serve others at such a powerful time in the year. So if we... Uh, one question a lot of Christians can often ask uh, and wrestle with is like, what's God's will for my life? Uh, and it's really genuine and really beautiful. And, and they're like, you know, should I study this or do this? Should I go to this, go for this job? Should I move here? Should I do this? Should I ask this person out? Should I ask this person out? Like they ask like, what's your will for my life, God? And whilst there's certain things we do have to wrestle out, the Bible does make it very clear in a lot of places what walking in his will looks like. And I want to look at one of those things in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. And it says, Rejoice always. 
pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will for you is to rejoice always. And that's why we sing praise songs at the beginning of service because every service is an opportunity to rejoice and give God praise. But rejoicing, to rejoice, it has to become an intentional decision, not an emotional reaction. If it's an emotional reaction, it's not necessarily rejoicing, but God is inviting every person to be able to rejoice in every situation and circumstance. And it says to pray continually, and that that just looks like doing life with God. That looks like being aware of Him in your life, being aware of the things He values and walking those things out. And lastly, to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, God wouldn't ask us or God wouldn't apply His will in our lives if we weren't able to achieve it in any moment. And He says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that means even the really average circumstances, even the circumstances that you really don't like, where you're emotionally like upset, disappointed, feel ripped off, feel lonely, feel apathetic. There is an invitation in that moment to step in line with God's will for your life and to learn to give thanks in that moment. As you learn to give thanks in that moment, as Jared said before service, thanksgiving precedes breakthrough. And so what is God's will for you you today? It is to be grateful. It is to be grateful and it's will for you tomorrow and it's His will for you through this Christmas season. The ability to give thanks, to be grateful in every season unlocks the chains that hold many people in submission to their circumstances and it brings them into line with God's purposes for your life. God purposes for you to be grateful. If you don't believe that and don't want to do that, you can be ungrateful. Let me know how that goes. We watched a video in Life Group this week about a a really amazing... um, story of, of a woman called Haley, and uh, she was a mother at the time, had a couple kids and had a husband and she was just, but she just felt very unfulfilled in her life. And as uh, a lot of women really like, they, they don't vis- envisage their life not being married and not with kids. It's a very big part of how they think. And so she was walking in this reality, but she wasn't feeling any fulfillment that she maybe thought she would have felt. And so for, for one reason or another, she got in contact with a nun and had a conversation with a nun for a bit of life wisdom. And the nun uh, released a little biblical and supernatural wisdom over her and shared with her the principle of gratitude. And so for 365 days, this woman began to take a photo every single day of one thing that she was grateful for. And her life radically changed during this year. And uh, there are a couple of things that really spoke to me, but one of them was um, specifically her relationship with her kids. And in her relationship with her kids, before this year of gratitude, she uh, described her role as a mum as the most boring job in the world. And whilst many people may not agree with that, they probably haven't been a mum yet. Um, but she just felt like, and any time would ask her, how's your day been? She just like, wouldn't like answering that because all she did was nappies, feed and crying, crying kids. And, um, but during this year, it began to change for her. She began to see moments that she was grateful for with her kids. She began to be grateful for the role that she had in their lives, recognising that these moments are passing, these moments are temporary. And one of my favourite moments she mentioned that she took a photo of was when her and her three-year-old daughter were walking down a step and the three-year-old daughter goes down the step first and then turns around and raises her hand and says, hold my hand, mum, I'll help you. And it was just this beautiful moment that I know would have happened many times before 
in her life, but this time she saw it. But this time she recognised it because she was choosing to be grateful for the moments she was partaking in. But the other thing that really impacted me was how it transformed her relationship with her husband. And uh, she, she started, you know, being aware and being more grateful for the things that were going on. And she was looking, where is my grateful moment today? And um, she had kind of like not struggled in her marriage, but she had been disappointed at some level because her husband wasn't romantic. He wouldn't give her flowers and take her out on dates, which is the way she thought it was because she watched all those movies and thought that's how life was. But no one here does that. Is that right? And so she was wrestling with this. And... Um, and then all of a sudden, one evening, she noticed her husband uh, just like give her the bigger portion of her favorite pie. I don't know if it was a fruit pie or meat pie, but noticed her give her the biggest portion. And all of a sudden, in time, she began to notice this year about how often her husband was putting her first. She began to see these moments where he was saying, hey, I'm going to put you in front of me, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to choose you. And he had been doing that for the previous seven years before this point, but it was only at this point where she chose to be grateful that she began to see what he was doing, and she began to see him for who he was. He didn't change. He kept on doing what he'd been doing for the last seven years of marriage, but all of a sudden their marriage became so much more life-giving because gratitude had changed what she saw. And this is the main point I want you to understand and take away from tonight is that gratitude changes what you see. That when you make a decision to decide to be grateful, to be a grateful person, it will change what you see and it will change the way you see people around you. And I believe what many people need most this Christmas is not necessarily what they don't have, but what they need is the ability to see what they do have. And that comes through grateful. And so what is the opposite of gratitude? What is the opposite of gratitude? Not rhetorical. Ungrateful, it's good. Dictionarily, that's probably correct. Uh, the opposite of gratitude is, is, being, is being entitled. It's being entitled. And I know no one here is entitled, but um, when, uh, I remember when I came back from America, um, it was about three years ago, and I had no money, no car. I was starting from scratch financially, and I was living at home. And uh, I was right, yeah, then, yeah. And then anyway, I had a bike, so I could bike around. But in the evenings when my parents were home, occasionally I could borrow a car. And they had a, uh, a more expensive car and a less expensive car. Um, but they'd never let me drive the more expensive car. And it's not really expensive, but for them it's a big deal. So it's a big deal. And, um, and I was like, oh, I'd struggle with that because I felt like, oh, you don't trust me. And I'm like, I'm a Christian now. Like I understand before, but... Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just struggled with that, but I was like, fine, yep, great, whatever. But I remember one evening in particular, um, I was heading out and the nicer car was blocking in the, the older car. And I was like, can I please borrow a car? And they're like, yep, sure thing. And I was like, don't, don't make me do it. Don't do it. And he's like, just swap the cars around and you can take the other car. And I'm like, really? <laughs> anyway, I'm driving in this car and I'm just bitter. I'm just like, why are they going to do this to me? And uh, <laughs> And um, you know, and then it just hit me, you know, like I'm driving a car I didn't pay for, using petrol I didn't pay for, 
and driving on roads that I haven't really contributed much towards yet. And I'm just bitter because it's not enough for me. And in that moment, like I began to process, you know, like what sort of life I want to live because I could have got the nicer car, but I'd still have been an ungrateful person. And so in that moment, you know, like I I wanted to be a person who would be grateful for what God was doing in my life and the people I had in my life and the things were being provided for me as opposed to being ungrateful. And so I want to ask you the question, what sort of life do you want to live? What does your Christmas period, what do you want that to look like? Because you can look for lots of external things to meet your needs and make you happy. But the greatest thing is an internal shift of gratitude for what you already have. Entitled people are disengaged with the good in their life. Entitled people disengage themselves with the good in their lives. It's like the person standing on the side of the room or the one family member, generally a teenager, who's like, no, I don't want to be here, you know, or like, it's not good enough for me. You should give me more pocket money. And they disengage themselves from the good that they're already getting, the fact that they are already getting pocket money, which they didn't work for, which most kids don't work for. They're eating free food every week. You know, they really haven't contributed anything, but it's still not enough. But they actually disengage themselves from all the goodness that is already being showed to them. And entitled... When you're entitled, it will cause you to disengage from the relationships and the goodness that has been displayed to you. And Haley, uh, the woman I shared about before, she had disengaged herself from the goodness of being able to raise her children. That her entitlement and her lack of gratitude caused her to disengage from the privilege and the honour and the amazing moments of that role and also in her marriage. Entitlement causes you to disengage. Entitled people are disengaged with the good in their lives. And Haley didn't engage with her kids and didn't engage with her husband for who they were. She stood on the sidelines with her arms crossed and in her words thinking, this is boring. Entitlement will put you on the sideline, but the more grateful you are, the more present you become. And engaging with the truth and allowing you to engage with the truth of the moments you're in. Like when I was driving in that car, I wasn't really engaging with the truth of the moment I was in. The truth of the moment is that God was actually providing a vehicle for me and family for me and all these things for me, which a lot of people don't have. But I couldn't see that truth until I shifted my heart to one of gratitude. Gratitude changes what you see. Um, In Luke chapter 24, um, this is after Jesus' death and and his resurrection and a couple of the uh, Mary Magdalene, a couple of other women had gone to the the tomb that day and they'd found the the tomb empty and then saw Jesus and ran back to the disciples and told them, hey, Jesus has risen from the grave. But uh, some people didn't believe, some of the disciples didn't believe their testimony, some did. Um, But two disciples were walking down the road um, talking about this and Jesus appeared beside them and they didn't recognise it was Jesus. Uh, Not sure how that works, but it worked. And um, they're walking down the road and they're talking about this and Jesus says to them one of those questions that he asks of, of what are you guys talking about, knowing what they were talking about. And they said, are you the only person in Jerusalem who has not been aware or doesn't know what's gone on these last few days? And they begin to explain to Jesus about what had happened recently. And then Jesus then took the time to explain to them and walk them through the scriptures about how all these things had to take place for 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 the scriptures to be fulfilled, for the prophetic words that Jesus was to be fulfilled, that he had to become sin 
for us and then die with that sin in order that they may break the power of sin over our lives. And through his resurrection, we are invited into a life-giving relationship with God and restored. And Jesus explains the scriptures to these guys. And then it says in verse 30, uh, sorry, then they, they get to the place where they're going and they invite him in for dinner. And they get to verse 30 and it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread. This is your cue, Hicks. If he's in the room, sure. <laughs> uh, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They then asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It wasn't until there was a spirit of gratitude in the, in the room, there was a moment where someone was actually willing to give thanks for what they had, that the disciples' eyes actually opened to the relationship with this person they were in in that moment. And I really want to challenge you and encourage you in your life. What does it look like for you to partner with the biblical and supernatural principle of gratitude? Because I believe there's people in this room where God wants to open your eyes to the relationship you are already in. Whether it's relationship with family, whether it's relationship with your spouse, whether it's relationship with friends, whether it's the, the, the job you have. I believe God's wanting to open people's eyes to what they already have in this place. Entitlement will cause you to disengage and isolate yourself from community, purpose, and joy. But gratitude will open your eyes and allow you to engage with the beautiful and divine reality that so often surround us, surrounds us. This is what I want you to get out of tonight, that gratitude changes what you see. And why I want you to know this is I believe there are people here who have friendships, communities, friendships and communities that are God-given, spouses that are angels to you, financial provision that is more than enough and a godly purpose that is life-giving, but you can't quite see it. And it's gonna be a spirit of gratitude that's gonna open your eyes to those things that are already surrounding you. Gratitude allows you to see what is true around you, allows you to see everything God is doing through others. And for some, it will allow you to see the reality of His love and His power for you, despite whatever it is that you're going through. One of the most powerful things about Haley's story was when someone asked her husband towards the end of that year, when she did that 365 experiment, and they asked him, what, what's changed? What's, what have you noticed this year as she's done this uh, year of gratitude? And he said, for the first time in eight years, I feel like I'm enough for her. For the first time in eight years, I feel like I'm enough for her. And the gratitude that she chose to pursue and she chose to see allowed her to see him for who he was. And in the previous seven years where he was probably doing the exact same things he was doing the whole time, she didn't even see him for who he was. She didn't even see him for who he was because for the first time in eight years, she saw him for who he truly was. Gratitude opened her eyes to the marriage she was already in and gratitude can open your eyes to the life you're already living in this moment. I believe God wants to open the eyes of some people here tonight to the relationships you have, to the family that you have, whether blood or not. 
and that it will not only impact you and your perspective of them, but like Haley's husband, it will impact the lives of those around you as you begin to see them for who they are and they, for the first time in their lives, they might begin to feel like they're enough around you. But I also believe here tonight that God wants to open some people's eyes in order to see Him in their life. In the same way Mark Brooks was an angry alcoholic living far a long shot away from the purposes God had called him to be, his eyes began to open to the relationship of God that sat before him. And the same happened for me when I was 21 and I believe there's people who are here who may be ready to make that decision. And so I just want to give us a moment if you're able to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just want to give an opportunity if there's someone here tonight and, and you don't know God, maybe you grew up in a, Christ, uh, in a Christian family and you've been around church and you've been around Christianity, but it's never been yours. You've never, you've sort of just understand understood it as something you do to be a part of the family. But maybe tonight, as I shared about gratitude, your eyes began to open to this abundant life that has been placed before you and the relationship of God that is on offer. And maybe you want to make that decision to start that relationship tonight. Or maybe you're here and you've, you've, never, you've never known God. You've never really had much of an understanding about Christianity. But there's people in your life who you've seen who were Christians who modelled something that you didn't quite know was possible. And you say, I want that. I want that relationship with God. Then I want to give you that opportunity right now. So if that's either of you, I'm just going to give you an opportunity now to raise your hand nice and high. I'm going to see it, I'm going to bless it, and you can put it back down. But if that's you and you don't have a relationship with God in this room, but you don't want to leave here without starting one, then I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I encourage you that it's a step of faith to choose to trust God. It's a step of faith to begin that relationship, but it's the greatest thing you ever do. And so just one more moment, if anyone's here who wants to make that decision tonight, just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can open your eyes. Um, I shared on this thing for the first time uh, a couple years ago uh, with a group of young adults and I invited them into a challenge to do I think it was 30 days of gratitude and started a messenger chat with them and they had to post once a day in the chat for one thing that they were grateful for that day. And uh, if they didn't do a post in that day by midnight, uh, then they had to pay me $10. And at the end of the month, I got to give that money away to whoever I wanted. Um, But uh, unfortunately for me, uh, not really, but everyone did it. And it was really amazing and it really transformed some people's lives. And I remember particularly one young adult saying how he realised that he was just living such an entitled life, that he was living on the sidelines with his arms crossed. And as he went through this month giving thanks and looking for the things he was grateful for, he began to engage with the relationships and the lives of those around them. And I really encourage you, if you're in this place and you felt something stir inside of you, like, oh, yep. Like there's some, there's some entitlement in me that needs to go because I don't want to spend life on the sidelines. I want to learn what it is to live a grateful life. I want to engage with the relationships that God has given me. Then I really encourage you to do that. 
And I really encourage you maybe just to find someone in the room and just, or a friend you know, and be like, hey, for, for we're doing, in our life group, we're doing seven days of gratitude. Uh, but you can do 10 days, 30 days, or you can join my wife next year who's doing 365 days. Um, but uh, yeah, if you don't have someone, then just come up and speak to me. I'd love to support you through that. Uh, because I believe it can, tra- it can transform your life and it can transform the relationships in your life. This can be an exciting and joyful time of year for everyone who's willing to open their eyes to the gratitude and see what God is already doing. Why don't you stand to your feet for a moment and I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, that you're willing to come to this earth, that you're willing to bear everything that we were not. You're willing to bear our sin. You're willing to bear our lack. You're willing to bear everything in order to reconnect us in relationship with you. And we thank you for the abundant life, that exchange of our lack for your abundance, that we may walk in that God. And I pray for every single person as they enter this Christmas period, that they would remain aware of what you are doing in their life and the things you have provided for them and the relationships they do have, that this doesn't have to be a season that we look forward to being over, but a season we look forward to engaging with as we step off the sidelines and into the reality of life through partnering with gratitude and the things that we're grateful for. And so I just release a grace over every person in this room that as you walk out of here tonight, that you would see things differently, that things would actually shift in your perspective. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen.